talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Betting the Buckeyes on Buckeye Talk. That means Doug Maurice, that's me. Tyler Shoemaker, that's him. We're talking about Ohio State football from a gambling perspective. And even though Ohio State tie is not playing this week, we do have a very interesting conversation around bets that are still flying in on the Buckeyes. And we will get to that in a second. We will make you and I, we will make a bet, each of us, a pick on each of the Power 5 Conference Championship games this weekend. And then you will have a best bet for us at the end, and we'll talk a little bit about sort of uh, fighting urges and handling yourself on a, on a short weekend when there's not as much college football action as, action as usual. But let's start here, Tyler Shoemaker. A week ago, the Ohio State Buckeyes lost to the Michigan Wolverines. You watched that game with two hats on. The bigger hat is Tyler Shoemaker, fan of the Ohio State Buckeyes. The smaller hat is gambling guy. As a fan watching that, experience like going through that take us through your feelings of that game did you think all right I, I can see Ohio State they can find their way back here in the middle of the second half or did you have bad vibes as the game was unfolding yeah that's that's a good question I in the first half so you know march down the field score a touchdown I'm like okay great we've got to get sevens not threes and then that dissipated immediately and then every drive after that either stalled or was a field goal and and i was watching the game with my son and i was like we're gonna lose i was like we we can't have threes in this game and we can't have drives that are stalling out like they're eventually gonna get going and and hit something and sure enough um but no i mean getting the ball back down i think they were down eight had the ball back down eight in the fourth quarter and it was very reminiscent of the oregon game when like that feeling of like, okay, Ohio State is inevitable in these situations. Like something's going to happen. They're going to figure it out. It's going to be like Penn State. And then it just didn't. They just, uh, you know, the what we thought was a, a conservative call by Ryan Day that actually was a fake punt call that they, you know, the long snapper messed up. Like that was it was a huge a huge swing. And it just then Donovan Edwards went went crazy. So it was certainly a, a roller coaster of emotions, you know, after that first touchdown. But no. I when they didn't take care of business in the first half and they were only up what three at halftime, I I just knew that that was, that was not going to hold. As you watched and evaluated Michigan this year, and you look at, you're looking at your own power ratings and trying to figure out there's this Michigan team that played not much of a non-conference schedule, but this Michigan team is undefeated. Were you surprised by what Michigan was able to do or how good did you think Michigan was going into that game? Yeah, I mean, I I had a lot of respect for Michigan. My my numbers have have loved Michigan. I mean, pretty much every week, I, my numbers have had Michigan co- uh, projected to cover in their games. So I, there certainly was not a lack of respect for Michigan on on my end. You know, just because I'm I'm in these numbers every week and I can see, you know, because and I, I tried to caution people like, no, their non their non conference schedule was terrible, but also my numbers account for that. So and the fact that my numbers still had them, you know, in the top five coming into that, I I had a lot of respect for them. I. And I had tweeted this uh, weeks ago, like, you know, Ohio State's got to make J.J. McCarthy beat him, which I think probably was the game plan. But then, you know, like you guys have, have talked about a million times, I mean, Jim Knowles dialing up that zero blitz on third and nine when J.J. McCarthy had done nothing. I mean, the Michigan offense in general had done nothing to that point, and they, they hit a 70-yard bomb. And then, you know, it was, it was kind of off to the races for them from there. They, they just continued to hit big play after big play after that. What do your numbers tell you about Michigan now? And what do your numbers tell you about Ohio State now? In your power ratings, where do those two teams rank? Yeah, I mean, much to the chagrin of the Michigan fans that follow me on Twitter, uh, I still have Ohio State number two, but Michigan closed the gap pretty resoundingly. Um, You know, I had that game projected at eight, you know, at Ohio State last week. Uh, This week, if they, if they played again this week at Ohio State, I would make it like two and a half. So, you know, a, a five and a half point swing after one game is, is pretty, pretty substantial. So I've got Michigan number three right now behind Ohio State by point one uh, in, in my power ratings. And how far ahead is Georgia of both those teams? Is it pretty resounding that Georgia's number one or is it close? Uh, about About two points. Okay. Okay. So this is two good teams. And I will say, um, you know, we've been saying on Buckeye Talk where there's so much of what could happen with Ohio State still. It's kind of hard to wrap 
your your head around. But there certainly is a possibility that Ohio State could make the college football playoff. If USC loses to Utah on Friday night, um, their chances become potentially very, very, very good at making the college football playoff, the way the committee has talked about them. And then TCU's game with Kansas State in the Big 12 championship on Saturday afternoon could maybe have something to do with that as well. I will say, Tishu, I did put out a survey to our Ohio State Tech subscribers, and it's been an odd week for all Ohio State fans. And I was just trying to get part of it is almost like I you almost don't want to think about it because it's like, well, what if this would happen and how would you feel about that? And it's like, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of people are like, I don't know. Let's see if it happens. Let's see if Ohio State fans have to get to a point where Ohio State lost to Michigan, but now has a chance to win the national championship. And oh my gosh, Ohio State and Michigan could meet in that national championship the way Georgia and Alabama met last year. Like to, to theorize about that is like, why would I create a scenario <laughs> to twist my innards and turn my skin inside out on a maybe that's crossed that bridge. But I did ask our texters to do it anyway. And I will, I asked them a bunch of questions and I sent the results back to our texters. If you want to be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315, a couple things here, Tissue. If Ohio State makes the playoff, how will it affect your view of the Michigan loss? 74% of the respondents said, it's a great opportunity, but the Michigan loss still matters a lot. That was the in-between uh, possibility of answers. The, the, the other end of it was, it will almost wipe away the Michigan loss. 13% said that. And then the other one was, I can't get past the Michigan loss regardless. 13% said that. So 74% of the people are like in between, and then 13% are on each extreme. So that's how conflicted people are. This is um, what people would say if Ohio State and Michigan would play again. And if you want to, I'm going to ask you about your Georgia, a Georgia-Ohio State projected matchup in a second. But I did ask them, who would win an Ohio State-Michigan rematch? Our tech subscribers, the close, the, the options were Ohio State for sure, Ohio State but close, Michigan but close, Michigan for sure. Ohio State but close, 56%. Ohio State for sure, 24%. Michigan but close, 13%. Michigan for sure, 7%. So that's 80-20 tissue wow. of Ohio State fans saying they think Ohio State would win a rematch. That's some heart, right? A lot of heart, a lot of gut, a lot of soul. But there's some brain in that, too, because, again, you're saying – and that's the thing that I think from a betting perspective is hard for people to understand. Something happened once. If you do it again, it doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Certainly the first outcome affects how you view the possibilities of the second outcome. But, Tishu, it didn't – in your mind, it didn't make Michigan a favorite to win that game – just because Michigan won in Columbus the first time around. When you see Ohio State fans 80-20 thinking Ohio State could win, again, there's a little bit to back that up when you try to break down the matchup of these two teams. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great point. That's something that I think people have to keep in mind. Um, one, like transitive property doesn't really work in college football. And even head-to-head, -to, -head, to an extent, from a betting perspective, you have to understand that like the power rating is just two separate teams, like their aggregate data from the season and they happen to play. So like there's one game of data that, you know, they were both involved in, but it's still two separate data sets. So if they were to play again, you're just pulling from those, those data sets. And again, I did adjust, you know, a total of five and a half points between those two teams uh, in, in the last week. But again, I would make that game a pick them if they were to meet in the, in the playoff. So I think, I think what would happen there is that game maybe opens a pick 'em, and then because Michigan just beat Ohio State, like I think everyone's just going to hammer Michigan. So I think Michigan would probably end up closing as like a two and a half, three point favorite, uh, creating a lot of value on Ohio State. So then the other concept is this: that if USC loses to Utah and the result is that Ohio State gets in, and let's say TCU beats, beats Kansas State, we're looking at Georgia Ohio State, and the bottom line is they're not going to have Michigan and Ohio State play in a semifinal. So, so even if you move somehow, if you would move Michigan to number one, like they just wouldn't move Michigan to number one. I guess if Georgia lost, they would finagle it. I, I don't yeah, think 100%. Ohio State gets in, they would do what they have to do with the rankings to make sure Ohio State, Michigan would not be a semifinal. And then Michigan would be ahead of Ohio State. So Michigan would get the easier opponent of the two. 
So that means Michigan is going to get the non-Georgia opponent, which means Ohio State, if Ohio State gets in, is playing Georgia. And Ohio State was practicing Thursday, and Ohio State in that building has been preparing this week to play Georgia because there is a chance that that is what's going to happen. I asked this question, Tishu. If Ohio State makes the playoff and plays Georgia, what do you think of Ohio State's chances? I did slightly favor each team, greatly favor each team, or a toss-up. Overall, in favor of Georgia, got 56%. In favor of Ohio State, got 13%. And toss-up, got 31%. So again, a third of the people thinks it's right down the middle, but that's a pretty convincing um, 56-13 to for Georgia. I was a little surprised by that tissue because I've gone back and forth on Georgia this year. And Shahan and I have gone back and forth on the College Football Survivor Show. Early in the year, we did a show that was like, man, Georgia might be better than last year. And then all of a sudden, Missouri, Kent State, Georgia started looking a little bit vulnerable at times. Clearly, they lost. You know, we know all the guys they lost to the NFL defensively. Stetson Bennett still doing what Stetson Bennett does. Their skill guys, good, not great, other than Brock Bowers. You know, Lad McConkey's been effective. When you think about an Ohio State-Georgia matchup, what would that line look like, and how would you characterize, you think, your chance, Ohio State's ability to match up in a game like that? Yeah, so I, I would make that line uh, Georgia minus two. That's another one, though, that I think people just remember the last thing they saw, and the last thing they saw was Ohio State losing by three touchdowns. So I think that line will probably end up closing like maybe like five and a half. Uh, in terms of the matchup, I mean, talked about this all last year too. I think I think if there's any team in the country that can really threaten Georgia, it is Ohio State because of the style of play. Now, I could have said the same thing about Tennessee and, and Georgia suffocated them uh, pretty well. But you know, if Ohio State's got a month to get healthy, you know, maybe they get JSN back. Maybe you get at least one of Travion or Mayan healthy. I mean, I, I think Ohio State should should feel like they at least have a puncher's chance in that game. I, I definitely don't think they're just, you know, being led to the slaughter. And I do think it's one of those where what a lot, a lot of Ohio State fans have said, and I, I think there's a lot of truth to it, is sort of like, where is the offensive creativity? Where is the go-for-the-throat kind of offensive style that we saw from Ohio State in the semifinal against Clemson in the 2020 season when it was like, you know, Ryan Day broke Brent Venables, that conversation. And so then you go in the national title game with Alabama and Trey Sermon gets hurt right away and it's Bama and you're trying to keep up with Mac Jones and the Heisman Trophy winner, Javante Smith and Jalen Waddell and Najee Harris and everybody else. And it's just not your day. And that's a, that, that's a Bama super team. And then since then, it's been like you're in the midst of a season. My, my point would be, I would be curious to see sort of the Ohio State like creativity or the offensive acumen or the offensive game plan when you have a month to, to get ready for it. Yeah. Like give them a month. That's a little bit different. Even though you knew you had to prepare all year for Michigan, you know, they're dealing with the running back injury. It's not to make an excuse, but you still, in the end, you played a game seven days before you played Michigan. This would be a, more than a month off before you play this semifinal game. So I would be curious about the Ohio State offense that would come out there. But I would think this, tissue. The idea, I, I and I get it, and it's an off-the-cuff, hey, I just sent you this survey in your phone. Can you answer it while you're, you know, taking a bathroom break at work? You want to go, <laughs> you know, people are not, like, looking up highlights of Stetson Bennett versus J.J. McCarthy to try to figure this out. The idea that Ohio State fans would feel good about a Michigan rematch but not feel good about a semifinal against Georgia – I don't know that there should be that much of a gap in those feelings because I think Ohio State against this Georgia team would take its shot and you'd feel I, – I, if you said right now, Ohio State versus Michigan, Ohio State versus Georgia, which game does Ohio State have a better chance to win? I think it's a reasonably – I think it's reasonably close. Now, Blake Corum's going to be out for the rest of the year. Like that's, We know that. It's yep. going to be a Michigan team without Blake Corum. But I don't think it's a, it's a chasm – between their chances against Georgia and their chances against Michigan, if you know what I'm saying. And you kind of yep. just said that with what you said you thought the lines would be. Yep. No, I, I agree with that. And thinking back on just like some some recent history lines that would be similar to that to just provide some context of, of what that game may look like. The 2019 Fiesta Bowl, I believe Clemson was a two and a half, three point favorite uh, in that game. And, you know, that was uh, 
both teams throw in haymakers all game. Uh, so I think it could look like that. I think I think it would be a really competitive game, and you know maybe Ohio State loses as they you know probably should as underdogs in the four seed. But I, I don't think I don't think if they do make the playoff that anyone should be just like scared to death to go play Georgia. I don't think it's Death Star Georgia. Which leads us into this, and Caesar Sportsbook sent out their own little story about this this week. And it's the idea that before the Michigan game, Ohio State was about a, about 2-1 to one to win the national title, plus 210. Georgia was minus 130, so that's like more than an odds-on favorite for Georgia to be the national champion before the games last weekend. Ohio State loses, and they initially drop to 50-1 to one to win the national title. Because it's like, well, you can't win the national title if you're not in the playoff. And as they explain, it's like, well, they thought, well, you know, if Clemson, if Clemson, and Shahan and I had that discussion on the college football playoff, it sort of looked like a one-loss ACC champ versus a loser of Ohio State, Michigan, who would get in in that scenario? And then all of a sudden, South Carolina comes back and beats Clemson, and you're not, you're not going to get a one-loss ACC champ. So that's been taken out of the range of possibilities. And then you saw what the committee did with Alabama, where Alabama was was behind Ohio State, and both teams are off, and like, what would be the world? And someone said, well, what if LSU beats Georgia and Purdue beats Michigan, and it changes the lens in which you view Alabama, who lost to LSU, and Ohio State, who lost to Michigan. That's what would have to happen. You have to change the lens significantly. And I still don't know that if Ohio State and Alabama are both off, that you somehow jump one over the other. So seeing that, if you had it in your head, maybe Alabama will be ahead of Ohio State. They weren't. So that's another thing. All of a sudden, the path, and then the way the committee talked, that they absolutely opened the door to, if USC loses, Ohio State might be in. That opened the door, and and... Tishu, this story from Caesars, so they were like two and one before they lose to Michigan to win the national title. Then they drop to fifty to one, and then some sharp start betting money on them. They go down to forty to one, then thirty to one, then as low as fourteen to one. As you and I record this Thursday night, they're ten to one to win the national title. It's Georgia minus one fifty, Michigan's three to one, Ohio State ten to one, TCU twelve to one, USC twelve to one. Is that just people searching out value that, hey, this team was two to one and I think they have a decent chance to get in. And if I can get them now at 40 or 50 to one, actually, they're still the same team. They just happen to lose. Can you explain why people would be slamming thousands of dollars on a team that won't even make the playoff if USC and TCU both win? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think it's and and the article said like these were respected betters this wasn't just you know mattress mac coming in and, and laying down thousands of dollars on this so yeah i mean from a value standpoint i mean it, it really doesn't get any better than that to to go from two to one to 50 to one you know literally overnight so that that makes a lot of sense because what what those people are going to be able to do then is if ohio state does get in they can if they want they could start to hedge that that bet uh, by playing the, the you know the Georgia money line or, or whatever, and then if Ohio State wins that, you got another opportunity. So they give themselves a lot of options to to come out with some profit on this, you know, one way or another. So I, I think is really savvy play by them. And it really is just almost the idea of you're betting on USC to lose, and there's a window where even if USC wins but TCU loses, you might get the thing you want, which then is Ohio State in. With a shot. And once Ohio State's in, now you're back to the team that a week ago was two to one. And all of a sudden you've got them at 50, 40, 30, 14, 10. Would you right now, with your head, not your heart, would you bet on Ohio State 10 to one, which is what it's at, to win the national title? Or when you're banking on a USC loss as as almost a must there, is there not enough value there? Personally, I don't think there's enough value only because we know that it was just at 50 to one, you know, hours or, or days ago. So I, I would have a hard time swallowing that 10 to one is still better value, obviously than two to one, but man, knowing that there was a 51 out there this week, like I, I couldn't bring myself to do it personally. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit like crypto, right? I mean, except it's just the casino ever taking everybody's money in the end. But it's like you want to get in, like you want to be in early on the idea, yeah. right? Okay, they lose, everybody bails. And if you're early on the idea of, listen, man, I think they could still make it and they're still Ohio State. Let me hit this at 50. And then like in the next 
12, 24, 36, 48 hours, more people are like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right. Then the committee chairman comes out, the rankings come out, and now you're kind of late to the party. It's like, right, it's either hit it early, and you try to do that, right? Would you – are there moments when you are looking for sort of the opposite of of an idea? Something happens, and everybody goes, well, now that means this. Are there times when you in those moments are looking for the no, it actually means that, and I'm going to try to grab value before it disappears? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of instances like that. I mean, that that really is just kind of a summary of uh, how I, I bet and how I know a lot of people that I respect bet. For instance, like when a, when a team loses, especially if they lose like in – what seems like bad fashion, but maybe like there's some underlying stuff that the game really wasn't that bad or, or something like that. Like, I mean, Ohio state, Michigan, honestly is a really good example that Ed Fang from the power rank and Bill Connolly from ESPN were kind of outlining why the Ohio state, Michigan game was so odd because Ohio state actually won the net success rate in that game, which is like, you know, down to down, how how well were you able to move the ball and that sort of thing and, and do what you needed to do on standard uh, standard downs. But the problem was Michigan hit uh, what five, seven explosive plays uh, in that game, which is not really a sustainable recipe. So that's why I think, that's why I said that if they did rematch in the playoff, I would be just waiting to see how high the line climbs in Michigan's favor because everyone's going to jump on Michigan because they're like, wow, they you know, just pummeled Ohio state, but it, when you look deeper, it really wasn't that bad. And I'm not just saying that as an Ohio state fan, I look for these type of things generally, but this was just a a very easy example, but I would definitely be on Ohio state in the rematch because I'm pretty sure I'd be getting points in that scenario. Okay. We might get it. We might get it. USC, Utah, Friday night, TCU, Kansas state on Saturday, Uh, Ohio state's playoff future hangs in the balance. When we come back, Tyler Shoemaker and I will make our picks for the five Power Five Conference Championship games. We'll do it next on Betting the Buckeyes on Buckeye Talk. All right, T-Shoe, we are back. Each week, we each make a pick uh, in each Power Five Conference, and I make you do it, and it's not something that you would normally do, but you're like, well, it's a podcast. I got to do. I go, I get it. We'll do it. So uh, we're doing it this week, and we're really narrowing the field because we're, we're saying we're betting on this game no matter what. Uh, again, last week for me, not to brag, not to brag, not to brag. Three and two, whoop, 26 and 34 for the year for me on my Power 5 picks. I felt like it, it's one of these things, you don't get bonus points for this. I wish you did. Man, I wish you got bonus points for stuff. But it's like the ones I, the three I won, I felt like I really had a handle on. I took the Oregon, Oregon State over because I thought it would be an Oregon style of game. And it was. Oregon State won, but I didn't care. I just took the over and it hit easily. Nebraska plus 10.5 versus Iowa. Nebraska won. Like that, I was I felt good yep. about that. And Georgia Tech, Georgia. Georgia Tech was getting 36.5. They gave Georgia a heck of a time in the first half. And then Georgia dominated in the second half, but they still couldn't quite cover. So, like, I felt really good about that early. And then uh, the Iowa State TCU one, which was my proudest moment of the year when I bet on the last place team in the Big 12 <laughs> plus 10 against TCU, and you said, Doug, now you're thinking like a sharp better. And then TCU won like 56 to minus three. And I was like, well, I don't want to be a sharp better anymore because I got my butt kicked on that. So that one wasn't good. And what was the other one? I can't remember what the other bet was. It doesn't matter. I lost it. What was it? T-Shoe? I can't even remember what it... Oh, it was the one we went head-to-head in the ACC. North Carolina and North Carolina State. North Carolina State played its ninth-string quarterback and uh, won outright. And I was given points with North Carolina, and uh, you were all over it as an upset special and everything else. So you took another head-to-head now. T-Shoe is 26-0 against me this season. So another <laughs> victory lap. Was that your happiest moment of the weekend when you crushed me head-to-head and hit your upset pick? Yeah, it, it really was because the rest of my weekend went south uh, pretty quickly from a, from a betting standpoint. It was it was not a, not a great weekend, and that's the second – second year in a row that rivalry week has really gotten the best of me. So I'm, I'm keeping that in mind for next year. Like, okay, I, I need to like lessen my volume or, or something because rivalry week is, is obviously a lot trickier than just relying on the, on the numbers. Which again, which is what we talked about last week. It's fascinating. Yep. It's almost like, could you, could you put hatred and revenge 
and familiarity and style contrasts and tradition. Can you make an algorithm for that? Like, it's like, that's your off-season project. Well, I feel like over the course of this podcast, Tissue, for this season, we keep coming up with off-season projects for you. It's like, I wonder what the (laughs) thing is for that. It's like, ah, Tissue will do it in July. It's like his family wants to go to the beach in July. It's like, no, he's not allowed to go to the beach. He's crunching numbers for betting the Buckeyes. Okay. Let's start in the ACC because nobody cares about it. It's Clemson and it's North Carolina. Once upon a time, we imagined that this game might be potentially uh, fun or interesting, and now it's not really either of those things. Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite. The total is sixty three and a half. Where are you going with this one, Tissue? Uh, I would lay the points uh, with Clemson here at seven and a half. I just they obviously weren't great last week against South Carolina and South Carolina's kind of coming on here at the end of the season. But I mean, North Carolina in terms of how teams have looked, you know, over the last few weeks that it doesn't get much, much worse than that. Like you said, losing to, to NC state uh, on their, I don't even know what string quarterback at this point is just kind of inexcusable. So uh, I'm, I'm going to lay the points here with Clemson. I mean, Dabo in, in this type of game, you know, unless he's playing me in a rec league championship, he's he's usually money. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back Dabo here minus seven and a half. We get it. You guys have seen it. <laughs> Tishu will put up again on his Twitter account one time he crossed over Dabo in a rec league game. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's the best thing I ever did in a rec league game. No, there is nothing. Okay, that's the end of my story. I, I didn't think there would be anything. Oh, one time when I was in uh, when I was in tenth grade, I was young for my age. So I was playing like in the, in like the, the baseball league that was supposed to cut off for ninth graders, but I was a young 10th grader. So I still played in it. And I was on second base one time and a guy hit a ball in the gap and I rounded third and I was heading for home. And then I don't know what happened, but I like woke up and I was lying on my face on home plate. And apparently what had happened is that I had not, I didn't dive head first, but I tripped over my own feet running to home and landed on home plate. And I was safe, but later that night, my knee swelled up to the size of a basketball and I was supposed to go to prom the next night. That was on a Friday night. I was supposed to go to prom on the next Saturday night. And I had to call up the girl and say, I can't move my leg. I can go to prom, but I have to sit with my leg propped up the whole time and I can't dance. But you could go with my friend instead because I called my friend and said, hey, would you go with her? Because my leg doesn't work function right now. And so then my friend went with her. He came. He got my tux. He got the corsage I had for her. They went to prom. And then they started going out. And that is the story of uh, – that's the equivalent of my Dabo Rec League story is that I lost not just a prom date but a potential girlfriend because I tripped over my own two feet in a baseball game with children that I shouldn't have been playing in because I was in high school and I should have aged out of it. Okay, so that's my experience there. Let's go to the other game that really doesn't matter because LSU was in a world where this could have mattered because everybody was in on if two lost LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, they're going to the playoff. And then they went and lost to Texas A&M last week. And now there are three loss LSU and it doesn't matter what they do this week. So we're looking at LSU Georgia in this one. Georgia is favored by 17 and a half. The total's pretty low at 51 and a half. Oh, I didn't say what I liked. I'm taking the over in Clemson, North Carolina, by the way. My bet is both teams let it all hang out. So I went over 67 and no, over 63 and a half. That's my North Carolina Clemson bet. Sorry, I forgot to say it. I was so enamored with my own story of ineptitude that I forgot my bet. Over 63 and a half because I could not figure out which way to go with the two sides of the teams. Georgia LSU, 17 and a half, 51 and a half for the total tissue. What do you like? Really nothing, but since we have to have to pick something uh, at, at this number, I would take LSU plus the points. Uh, when this line was like 15, 15 and a half, uh, a lot of sharp guys that I that I respect hammered Georgia, and that's why the line is is north of seventeen now. But that that's just too many points to lay. So I, if if I had to make a play here, I would take LSU in the points. That's what I have as well as my pick. LSU with the points. Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, got hurt in the midst of the Texas A and M loss last week. Missed a little bit of time, but came back in. Has an ankle injury. Brian Kelly on Thursday said he should be fine to play. He's so important to them that obviously his absence or then then trying to play when he's not himself obviously affected how that game went. 
It's hard to bet on a quarterback who may still be a little bit injured, but I think he'll at least be healthier than he was like in the midst of that game when he came back in. So I I don't feel great about this. But the thing about Georgia is I could see Georgia with a very convincing, dominant, no no doubt about it win that doesn't cover. Like Georgia, again, is very capable of a super convincing 31 17 win, right? That it's like yep. a back, you know, LSU scores with five minutes left to make it 31 17. Like that's the kind of, they kind of do that kind of thing, T shoe. So, of all the, when you have a, a, a team that's defense first, sometimes isn't as high scoring, you know, sometimes it's it's not that Georgia has to underperform, it's that like the scoreboard just might not reflect their dominance. So, I, I think LSU plus 17 and a half isn't a terrible play here, even though I'm forcing you into it. <laughs> Okay, this one, let's do Michigan-Purdue now because this does not have a direct effect on Ohio State. Michigan, minus 16.5. Aiden O'Connell obviously is dealing with a personal tragedy, the the great Purdue quarterback, um, anticipating he'll play. Over-under is 51.5. Again, Michigan's giving 16.5. What do you like here? Yeah, I would would lay the points with Michigan here. Like I said, my my numbers of... Loved them for a while. That obviously is only enhanced now that they beat Ohio State last week. So, uh, I mean, I, I would I would play Michigan up up to seventeen here. So I'm looking uh, online at a potential parlay of Michigan minus sixteen and a half, and the over of fifty one and a half is plus two fourteen. I kind of like that. Michigan got on the fast track inside against Iowa last year and just put the pedal down, and Iowa couldn't stop them. And um, but Iowa also couldn't score. I do think Purdue will score a little bit, but even without Blake Corum, I mean Donovan Edwards and those receivers and JJ McCarthy with a little juice, I don't think fifty-one and a half is too much to ask here. So if I was actually betting this, I would I think I would look at this Michigan and the over and at two to one odds, try to figure out something to do with that. What do you think of that? idea of over 51 and a half for what two teams that I mean I guess it's Michigan's good defense it's driving it down because Purdue is a team that if they win they're if they're going to compete yeah. they're going to have to score what do you think about that 51 and a half number yeah I, I'm with you I, I would be on the over uh my my number is 59 on the game so I, I mean I, I like the over by by more than a touchdown here okay I like it. I, I'm making you do these, and I can just tell it's like, I don't want to bet these. I don't want to bet these. Don't make me bet these. There's no value in this. Everyone in the world is looking at these. These teams are too much in the spotlight. Please let me crawl back into the shadows and figure out how I can actually win money. Not yet, Tissue. Not yet. TCU versus Kansas State. This is a game that you have been talking about um, for several weeks. It's a, a rematch that TCU did win the first time around. Kansas State's a good team with a couple tough losses this year. TCU is minus two and a half. The over-under is 61 and a half. I'm going to say I don't know what's going to happen. I'm taking the under, which is a tight under of these are two teams in a big spot, and TCU has managed to do it all year. Um, Kansas State, it's not like they play in conference championship games all the time. I'm just going to figure like maybe everybody's a little jittery for this and they'll take it under. So I'm staying away from the sides. I'm under 61 and a half. What's your pick on this? I am also going to take the under. That's Oh, uh, that, all right. <laughs> that um and I'm probably going to end up betting this as well. I I really like this under. Uh it it was almost my I'm only going to have one best bet this week at, uh, as we'll we'll talk about in a minute but um I probably will I, by Saturday I'm I'm probably going to have a bet on this under. So you had talked last week you you were in, even anticipating the idea of I think I might bet Kansas State to in this spot against TCU. What do you think of the sides here? What do you think of this number and who do you what are your what are your, your formula, who is it? What is it telling you about who's going to actually win this game? My number is like literally a toss up. It's Kansas State minus 0.1. <laughs> so, literally a coin flip game. If you wanted to bet on the side, I would, I would either just bet the Kansas State money line or buy the half point and get the plus three here. Uh, would, I, I would do one of those two things if you want to take a side. But yeah, I, I definitely don't want any part of TCU in this, in this spot. 
Because, I mean, TCU plays a bunch of crazy close games. And so the idea of, would you even buy the whole point? Could you buy it from two and a half to three and a half? So that you, if TCU buy, wins by a field goal, you win, or you're losing the value there? You could, but I I would have to plug that in. But I, I don't think, I think you would be losing value there by by buying the full point up to three and a half. Um, I think when I when I crunched the numbers, it was like two and a half to three and six and a half to seven made made the most sense and everything else wasn't really worth it. Okay. All right. So that brings us to the game that, man, we're in a lot of agreement. You should be really nervous. You hate, <laughs> you hated this to begin with. And so far we're uh, in agreement on two of the bets. So like you are no three of the bets, Michigan, LSU, and the TCU K state under we're walking hand in hand. It's well, you're, Joe you've, Schmo. Been you've been better at these than me this, this year. So I, I'll take that. Maybe, maybe I'll actually have a, a good the- week on these. <laughs> So this takes us to the game that that matters most. Tell us first before we make our bets what what do your numbers tell you about Utah versus USC and where you would put this line? Yeah, I would make it Utah minus a half. Uh, and and I've talked about you know my my recent formula. The recent formula taken out like the first month of the season would make this Utah minus seven. So I I think Utah is going to win this game tomorrow, Friday. Uh, this airing on Friday, yeah. So this is USC is minus two and a half. The total is sixty seven and a half. Do you like it enough? Would you bet? Would you? Would you think about a Utah money line bet in this one? Uh, I guess they're plus one twenty five. If you want to bet it on Utah, would that be a reasonable bet in your mind? Yes. Yeah. I mean, kind kind of the same same deal with um with with the TCU game. Like, I think the underdog is going to win. So at two and a half, either play the money line. You know, and you know, make your unit size um, you know, work out. Like I said, don't don't overextend yourself betting betting a plus money line. But uh, I would either take the money line or or buy the half point and get three with Utah here. So, what is your actual pick in this game? Then is that your? Are you making a money line pick? Are you taking Utah with the points? What's your What's your pick? I'm going to take Utah money line since we since okay. we can't use fake money and buy half points. I'm I'm just going to take the Utah money line. Okay, so I'm going to take the over-under 67.5. This game was in the 80s first time around. There have been a couple screwy games. that, Like Utah played a screwy game against Utah that was 20-17. to 17. They played another game against Washington State that was low scoring. But there have been plenty of other games since the USC game where Utah scores in the 40s. I think the winner hits 40 here, and I think the loser's in the 30s. So I, I don't think somebody blows the other team out. So I don't I don't think it's like forty two to seventeen, which is under. And I don't think it's thirty twenty-four, which is under. So sixty-seven and a half is a lot, but if I think I feel pretty good about forty to thirty-one or forty-two to thirty-five, which is where I think this is gonna be, I'm uncertain enough on the side that I'll take the over. As my bet, what is your what do your numbers have for the total here? If the 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 books have sixty seven and a half, yeah, I project it sixty and a half. But really? when I look okay. at when I look at what these teams have done recently, uh, and just kind of knowing, you know, I, I've bet a few USC unders this year, and I feel like I just get crushed by them every time. Uh, so I I don't know if my numbers just haven't caught up caught up to them or or what, but I definitely would not want to bet. And under here, uh, if yeah, if if I had to make a play, I, I would be with you on the over. I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable about an under at all here. The, like the the Utah game was kind of the first time that the USC offense, I think, like really woke up, and it was like, okay, here they are. There's a part of me that wonders, like, is Kyle Whittingham going to come out and play six tight ends and try to have ten, like, just come up with a this is you know you get inside like it's a, it's the second time around. Do you do you? play a completely different game. Utah won the first time in a shootout going for two at the end. Does Kyle Winningham come in and say, man, Caleb Williams is going nuts since we played him. He's accounting for 500 yards a game. I'm going to try to win this game 13 to 10, right? I don't, I don't know. That's the thing that you don't know when you have like a smart head coach. And I think there are two smart head coaches in this game. You're trying to get inside style of play. And are they going to go, you know, is somebody going to go opposite of what you think? And it goes back to, again, like I, the idea of all right, well, let's see, can what are they going to do? Michigan hasn't asked JJ McCarthy to do this all year, right? What do you think is going to happen? It's like no, Michigan like had a plan, like no, we want to do this. We want to try to attack Ohio State through the air because they had a plan. They recognized a weakness, and then they went out and had their guy, 
do it, and they get the broken coverages, and here you are. So I'm really curious how Kyle Whittingham goes about trying to win this game because also he's also playing the underdog card all week, which is kind of like why I, I like your bet. He's coming out and saying, we know everybody else is already putting USC in the playoff. And it's like, nobody's putting USC in the playoff. What are you talking about? Like we have people think maybe you should be favored. Why? Like acting like they're a much bigger underdog than they are, which is kind of a nice way, which makes you feel good tissue when you're picking the underdog to win that the coach is like, no, we're not a little bit of an underdog. We're a huge underdog. Everybody hates us. I'm like, I picked Utah to make the playoff, Kyle. What are you talking about, man? You're good. And you like you like underdog coaches, right? Don't you sort of talk about that sometimes? There's some coaches yeah. that you like, you're you feel even better about a bet on them when they are in an underdog position. Yeah, because it's almost like they don't do their usual game plan stuff, and they you know they have to pull out some creativity when they know you know the game's not talent equated. Yeah, so. I, Kyle Whittingham's definitely in that category. It's like, you know, Pat Fitzgerald. There was a big Tom Herman thing when he was at Texas where when he was an underdog, he was like something crazy against the spread. So, yeah, there, there's certain coaches in the underdog role that you definitely, um, you know, like like to back when the number uh, indicates you should do so. And congratulations to Tom Herman, new coach at Florida Atlantic on the Lane Kiffin path. You go, you kind of have a thing, you flame out at the highest level, you chill out for a little bit, you come back to FAU, and Tom Herman will be like a Power 5 coach in three years. Okay, when we come back, the best bet and a little advice next on Betting the Buckeyes. All right, back TSU. I'm very curious to see what this one is. There's, of course, like the conference championship games for the uh, group of five teams. You know, there are other options out there. Uh, there are 11 conferences. There are 11 conference championship games. So where are you going for your best bet this week? I'm going to take the Ohio Bobcats plus three against Toledo in the MAC championship. Uh, I mean, like, like I talked about, I think, last week, I run three different formulas when I'm, when I'm looking at projecting aside and all three of those formulas tell me that Ohio is going to win. And when I look at the recent numbers, Toledo has absolutely fallen off a cliff uh, over the last month. So the recent numbers actually would project Ohio to win by three touchdowns. So, Oh my gosh. Uh, and and on, on top of the number, uh, my, my actual projection is Ohio minus two and a half. But on top of that, Daquan Finn, who, you know, Ohio state fans obviously know is a great player. He got hurt. Uh, a few weeks ago, he tried to come back last week and ended up getting benched because he just was completely ineffective because he's, he's got an ankle injury and just it's really affected his mobility. And then the backup has a broken hand. So I think they're down to their third string quarterback in this game. And Ohio has been playing as well as anybody in the G5 over the last month. So I'm, I'm going to take the Bobcats getting three points here. Look at this little Ohio angle for for all the uh, Ohio State fans who are maybe like, oh, man, I don't know what to do. Yeah, bet on the Bobcats in a MAC championship game, uh, an all Ohio matchup, Ohio versus Toledo. Uh, that one sounds good. Like you persuaded me on that one, right? That that sounds there's like the idea because I, I, that's another thing about this. Right? When you're looking for stuff, you're talking about one team, Ohio, who's had a very good last month. And you're talking about another team, Toledo, who's had a bad last month. And when you see, right, this is a this is a pretty low number for teams that seem to be heading in opposite directions. And I'm sure, TSU, there are times we all bet because of one of the teams, right? You're either saying, I love this team and what they're doing. I, I really feel good about them this week. Or you're like, man, I don't believe in this team at all. I want to bet against them. But the, you feel it feels like you're creating a scenario here with Ohio and Toledo where you sort of have both those things happening at once, but yet you're only operating in a world where if you want to take you're you're getting Ohio's the actual underdog, but you're describing them as being in a much better place than Toledo over the last month. Yep. Yeah. So I mean when when all three of these formulas are aligned, especially, you know, my power rating has it two and a half, and then looking at the recent um numbers is is like kind of my next step. And the fact that, that that recent number is up at three touchdowns in favor of Ohio, I mean, that that's just an indication of just how drastically different these two teams have been over the last, uh, you know, four to six weeks. All right, which leads us to our tip of the week because people are looking for some juice, right? I mean, it's like you you have a normal week in college football and you have 60 to 70 games to bet on, and now you have 11. And, you know, the NFL's coming. You know, you have the NFL the next day and that kind of thing, and that's great. I don't know. Are people betting on high school games? Have you ever bet on a high school game in your life, T.C.? <laughs> no. Ever bet on a high school game? No. no. There are people listening to this right now. You know you did. You know there are people out there betting on 15-year-olds. You've done it. 
even if it's with your friend. You bet on a fifth. You bet on a kid who can't even drive. God, no, I would do it too. If I felt good about it, I mean, I'd do it if I felt good about it. So, <laughs> so I don't know if people are betting on high school games this weekend. But if you're only betting on college games, you don't have as much to bet on. How many games in a typical college football weekend in September, October, November, tissue? How many games are you? often betting on that you really diagnose and feel like I feel good about this bet. I usually, you know, by the end of Saturday, including like live bets and things like that, I'm usually between like 10 and 20 bets in a, in a, um, in a college football week. So how many do you think you'll bet this weekend, this Friday and Saturday for conference championship weekend? Yeah, this week with, with only 11 games, uh, I'm definitely going to have a, a much, much smaller card, you know, gave out Ohio as a best bet. I probably will end up betting the, the TCU Kansas State under, and that's as of right now, like that's the only other one that's like really on my radar. I had considered uh, potentially one more uh, Tulane UCF under, but I, I saw some numbers that had me concerned there. So I, I mean, probably at most this weekend, I'm, I'm going to have like three bets. So what do you tell? Like you get. Hey, hey, woo. We've had 13 weeks of scintillating college football action, and now you dial it back. You got to dial it back, right? I mean, like it's the the card is smaller, so your betting card should be smaller. If you you can't bet ten out of seventy games and then come out and bet ten out of eleven games, right? You have to have some discipline on a weekend like this. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really important because I mean, every you know when there's you know weeknight action, I've got five people in my DMs like, oh, who, who are we on tonight? And I'm like, I. I don't have a bet on every single every single game that that's going on, and I think in a weekend like this, it's really important to have that discipline because you're just not going to find a big enough edge, you know, mathematically on eleven games to to have a high volume weekend. So just just be very cautious because I mean we you know we've had a winning a winning season in terms of our best bets. So like don't let's not go throw that away by going crazy just because we want some action on these, on these conference championship weekends. And if you, you know, if you do, you're just sitting around like, I want to watch UTSA in North Texas. Like if you are going to bet, I know we've talked about flat betting and all of that, but like understand the pizza money bet that I've talked about and just like throw five bucks on it. If you just have to have action, don't, you know, don't, don't do a full, a full unit on something that you don't feel like you actually have an edge on. And it's coming. January 1, legalized sports betting is coming to the state of Ohio. If you have questions about it, cleveland.com slash betting. You've learned a lot. If you've been listening to Betting the Buckeyes all season, you've learned a lot from T. Shu about how to think about games, tidbits about managing your bankroll, that kind of thing. We're going to keep getting you guys ready. We're going to continue doing Betting the Buckeyes with T. Shu. We're going to do stuff with, with bowl picks. Um, we'll certainly talk about the playoff once we have those playoff teams. So we're not going anywhere. We're going to take you through the end of the college football season, both here on Buckeye Talk, on the College Football Survivor Show, which we hope you guys are trying. That's me and Shahanjay Haraja. And here on this episode of Betting the Buckeyes, once a week in the Buckeye Talk feed. It might not be Fridays. It might move around the day of the week because once we get into bowl season, right, there's games at all different times. And we want to make sure we're keeping you guys up to date with what T-Shoe likes, what T-Shoe's seeing. But we're going to stay with you and we're going to get you ready for January 1 in Ohio when you'll be able to have an app on your phone, you hit a button, and you can make a bet. And, and if you want to do that, we want you to have fun, but we all want you to be smart. We want you to manage your bankroll correctly. We want you to not get out over your skis. And we want you to, you know, partake in this if you choose to in a way that enhances and enhances, not dehances, and that's not a word, enhances your sports experience, right? It should not make it worse. I will say, Tissue, my daughter is in a fantasy football league for the first time this year. She is doing very well. She is second in her league at the moment. And the last two nights she's had fantasy football dreams. And the first one was about like, she didn't, she, she has Juju Smith Schuster and he's been out of the lineup. And then he was back last week and she had a dream that he got hurt and she didn't know it. And she kept him in the lineup. And I forgot to remind her to take Juju out of the lineup. And then she was mad at me. And it was like in her dream. And I was like, I think you might be too into this, T-Shoe. Yeah. T-Shoe, do you – right? That's too much. And her league, she paid $5 to get in her league. So they made a bet that someone, the loser, has to jump in the lake and be cold. But the winner's going to get like 60 bucks. And I was like, 
kid, you got to either build a bet more on your league or stop having nightmares over a $5 investment. Do you ever dream about sports betting, Tishu, in any fashion? I have, yeah, just, you know, kind of similar, just panic things like where I'll wake up and think like, well, for instance, I, I think I tweeted this uh, the week of the Maryland game. I dreamed that Ohio State was actually playing Iowa again and that, you know, we had just recorded that night. It was a Thursday night. We had just recorded that night and I dreamed that Ohio State was playing Iowa. And I was like, oh, my God, I just did this whole segment about Ohio State-Maryland matchup. And they play Iowa this week. And then, like, I woke up and, like, double-checked the schedule. I was like, okay, so I'm I'm just going crazy. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my God. I had this dream this year. I had this dream this year that I wrote a column uh, about a coach, and he got so mad that he made fun of me in a news conference about it. And I woke up, and I was like, oh, my God. Thank God that didn't actually happen. So we all dream about college football sometimes. We just don't want it to turn into a nightmare for you. So thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to Betting the Buckeyes. T-Shoe. You got a sign. People can't see it because we don't put this on video. At Buckeye Tie 23, you have a neon sign in script behind you on your wall now. And I believe it is because you hit the lottery with the old uh, spouse choice tissue, right? Yep. Courtesy of my wife, who completely redecorated, repainted, uh, got got this nice uh, neon sign with my Twitter handle on it. So my, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen I, I posted pictures of of how cool my uh, my podcast setup uh, looks now. I meanwhile I'm in a room that is painted yellow because this was the nursery in this house, and it wasn't even painted yellow by us. It was painted by the yellow by the people who lived here before us, and we've never painted it. So some stranger chose this wall color like 25 years ago and it's it's the wall that you see behind me now well i gotta be honest doug that makes me feel a lot better because the reason my wife had to paint this area is because our walls are also yellow because we moved in this house two years ago and have not gotten around to painting the walls so that yeah you're you've got 23 years on me so that makes me feel better yeah we painted almost every other room but this room is uh is stranger paint and it has like a little giraffe baby border at the top of it still and i'm a professional podcaster anyway nobody can see it so it's fine all right tissue thank you as always for all your work on this good luck this weekend we will be back with betting the buckeyes next week for now for tyler shoemaker i'm douglay maurice and that was betting the buckeyes on buckeye talk 